Welcome, Five Stones Church. If you have your Bibles or your digital Bibles, uh, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And let me say that um, we're on the last two weeks of preaching from this wonderful letter that the Apostle Paul has given to us. Remember, Paul has been uh, in prison when he wrote this letter to the churches, and he's given us this amazing portrait of who God is to us, that we are blessed beyond measure Uh, as Christians. We are saved, we're bought by the blood, we're predestined, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, we're seated with Him. And the purpose, I believe in part, for Paul to share these deep truths and these big truths with us is to fill us up in our spirit, that there's a sense of gratitude, that there's a sense of excitement of all that the Father has expressed towards us. And it moves us to a place of moving out of the overflow, Many times we as Christians, we feel like we're on empty, we're a little dry, but when we read chapters 1 through 3, or 1 through 2, the overflow comes into our spirit, and then we get to move in a way that brings glory to God. And so in the second half of this book, you see Paul moving into some very practical instructions for us. How do we be witnesses for the Lord? How do we live a life that's worthy of the gospel? How do we set aside the old life and put on the new life? How do we live? You know, as couples, how do we live as families? And so this morning, we're going to talk about one other aspect that Paul is going to bring out here, and that's towards children. And um, the, the, the verses here in chapter 6 are, are so many that given our time constraint over the last, next two Sundays, we're just going to focus in on, on a couple of key passages. So for this morning, I'm focusing on, on the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 6. So those verses read here, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may turn out well for you and that you may live long on the earth. So I want to talk this morning about raising obedient children. And uh, let me just say a quick prayer. So God, we thank you for your eternal word. We thank you for how it's always alive and that you always feed us from it. And so, Jesus, as we look at these verses and we ponder and reflect on them, would you, Holy Spirit, speak to us wherever we are, whether we're raising kids, whether we've raised kids, whether we're going to encourage people to raise kids, Lord, that you would speak to us. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So though this passage about children is only three verses long, it carries with it some very important generational implications. With all the ills that we see in society today, in, we see in society today, in many ways we can connect it to this passage. As in, what happens in childhood makes its way into adulthood. What happens in childhood makes its way makes its way into adulthood. And what this verse tells us is that the misbehavior that we see today, and at times it's very abhorrent or even just disgusting that they're not just tied to the individuals behind it, but to the parents that brought them up. Recently, I read this uh, blog entry from well-known pastor John Piper, and he wrote this. He was getting on a plane, and this is what he observed. I had boarded my flight, and I was sitting behind a mother and her son, who may have been around seven years old. He was playing on his digital tablet. The flight attendant announced that all electronic devices should be turned off for takeoff. He didn't turn it off. The mother didn't require it either. As the flight attendant walked by, she said he needed to turn it off and kept moving. He did not do it. 
and the mother did not require it. One last time, the flight attendant stood over them and said that the boy would need to give the device to his mother. He finally turned it off, and then when the flight attendant took her seat, the boy turned his device back on and kept it on through the takeoff. The mother did nothing. And John Piper said this to himself, I thought to myself, she is training her son to be shot by the police. Now at first blush, you might say, my, Pastor Piper, that's being a bit extreme, a bit intense. But actually, Pastor John Piper is being quite biblical. He sees the connection between how kids are taught obedience now, or not taught in this case, and their possible future outcome. And out of this exhortation, he tweeted, I'm writing this to plead with Christian parents to require obedience of their children. I'm writing this to plead with Christian parents to require obedience of their children. Why this kind of urgency in his writing? Why this kind of urgency in his tweet? Because we're in kind of a crisis situation where children are going here and there and parents are sort of confused about what to do. And so I think the urgency is well warranted because we want to make sure that we bring up a generation that's going to be sound and healthy and witnesses for Jesus. When you hear the saying, we've lost a generation, it means the erosion actually began a generation ago. We lose a generation because of the generation that raised them. But let's step back and look at the two sides of this verse. First here is the idea that the verse is addressed directly to children. I love that Paul is writing to kids, and in doing so, he's signaling something important. Kids have the ability to apprehend truth. They can be good gospel learners at an early age. Now, if we are parents of little kids, we already know how much they can absorb in Sunday school. The ability of kids to hear and understand truth can be profound and convicting. They don't listen like we adults do with our complex analysis. They just listen and believe. This is why Jesus said, unless you are converted and become like children. Now, Jesus is saying this to the multitudes. He is saying this to adults, that unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The presumption that children can learn and absorb truth is deeply embedded in the Old Testament. In fact, it can be argued one of the distinctives of Jewish culture is the emphasis on learning at an early age. Maybe you've met some of those smart Rubens that are out there. It's because the Jewish culture emphasizes that learning starts when you are young. Now, this is given to us in Deuteronomy 6 by Moses himself. He told parents, these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Not just in synagogue, not just in Sunday school, not just when you're in Bible class, but it's a lifestyle when you get up, when you go, when you're traveling, when you're working, when you're eating. Share the commandments and the precepts of God. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
Now we find that Jesus was fully immersed in this verse. And his parents raised him in this very verse. Because at the age of 12, we find that he was discussing deep truths with the great rabbis of the day. Luke chapter 2, this is where we find the story. In fact, he broke away from his family vacation to learn more about the Bible. Now what kid does that? And what does this tell you? That Jesus was a geek? No, that Bible learning is fun. If a 12-year-old can be captured and have just absorbed in deep truth, it tells you how fun learning the Bible can be. So when Paul wrote these verses to the children, he wasn't thinking that it would just skate over their heads. Rather, he knew that they would be in synagogue, that they would be in church, listening intently to the reading of this letter. Now remember, when Paul wrote these, it wasn't bound into a Bible like we have. There were literal letters that were sent by messengers, and then someone in the church would get up and read it. And so these kids were there, and as the letter is being read, the kids are going to hear this part of the letter addressed directly to them. These kids were given to gospel formation at the earliest of ages. And on this note, I really want to give a shout-out to Carmen Wong, who is now Carmen Hansen, who has been our children's director for the last few years. And she is someone that was zealous to give our kids meat, equipping them to be full-on ambassadors for Jesus. If you thought that she was babysitting, you would have been sorely mistaken. She deliberately tracked the lessons in kids' church to match what we were preaching up here. She taught them to hear from God, move prophetically, pray for the sick, and move in the Holy Spirit. She taught them Bible literacy and more. It was in keeping with what Paul was sharing here. And this vision for Kids Church at Five Stones continues on. Now, Carmen has stepped down this past summer, so we're looking for a new champion for the kids to lead the ministry. And Jillian has done a wonderful job during this time of covid but she also is stepping down at the end of the year. So we're looking for a great kids coordinator in the tradition of Paul. Well, as we continue to read on here in verses 2 and 3, we see how Paul ties obedience to the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may turn out well for you and that you may live long on the earth. This is how important obedience is to God. It goes back to the commandments. And this one is the first one with the promise. You shall live long life. Now back then, the life expectancies of the typical person was not like what we have here, where we live 70, 80, even 90 years long. Back then, people had to fight diseases. Their life expectancy was much shorter. So if there was a promise of long life, this was a very powerful motivation. And there's a common grace that God puts on individuals that obey their parents. They have good health, they live longer, they have well-being, and life is less stressful. What an incredible promise. Could God emphasize the importance of obedience to children any more strongly than by attaching his very first promise to it? Now, if you think about our culture, we are far from God's word. We have an anti-parent, anti-authority culture. Do what you want. Assert yourself. It's your right. Don't tell me what to do. I think it's ironic that people don't want anyone to tell them what to do. But then when it comes to the government, they want all the social benefits they can get. 
I don't care if I'm, if I'm a minor, I'm going to sue my parents. We have court cases where minors are suing their parents because somehow they know better. Now, where is this kind of attitude and disregard getting us? Higher crime rates, higher addiction rates, higher suicide rates, higher confusion, higher mental health incidences, more bullying and more berating. Our assistance on self-autonomy is not making us better, it's weakening us. And the more we drift from the teachings of God, the more we imperil ourselves. And few are more important than teaching a child to obey. That's the foundation. Jewish commentators are very strong on this commandment. Let me read some of their thoughts. The Ten Commandments are considered to be the bedrock of Judaism and by many to be the backbone of Western morality. When it comes to parenting, many parents want their children to live with these values as their moral compass. Research suggests that children learn morals and values from home even more so than in school. Family life is our first school for emotional learning. And so when we talk about the fifth commandment, here's some very strong statements that are made by the rabbis. According to rabbinical teaching, there's a connection between this commandment, as in the fifth commandment, and children's moral and behavioral development. It is said, Judaism rests entirely, not in part, entirely on the theoretical and practical obedience of children to parents. And respecting parents is the basic condition for the eternal existence of the Jewish nation. Wow. Goes on to say, Respecting parents are the mechanisms by which Jewish values are transmitted generation to generation. It is basic to Jewish continuity. If a child doesn't learn to follow directions and care about being respectful to their parents, what are the odds that they will learn proper moral values? This commentary underscores the crucial connection between a child's obedience and their emotional, personal, moral well-being their proper development into adulthood, as well as carrying sound, heartfelt biblical values. Not teaching children obedience is a massive failure on the part of parents. It is shortchanging them in life. Obedience is where children learn right and wrong, where they learn respect. And not only is it the basis for healthy and well-ordered families, how many people like chaos? We don't like chaos. Obedience is the foundation of a well-ordered family. And that becomes a basis for healthy and well-ordered societies. It's where children listen to authority of all kinds up and down the chain, from the kindergarten teacher to the principal to the police to government authorities and, yes, flight attendants. In this sense, we can say a nation is only as strong as its families. And families are only as strong as its parents. And parenting is only as strong as how we teach our children to obey. So yes, we can trace a nation's blessing back to the fifth commandment. Which leads us to the second side of this verse, which is the responsibility of parents to teach their children to obey. I know that because of prevailing current day cultural views on parenting, or maybe from your own bad experience as a child with parental authority, we can get squeamish 
when we think about teaching our kids about obedience. My kids will hate me. They're going to have awful memories when they grow up. They'll feel like I'm being a meanie or harsh. Tantrums, however, are a well-established tradition among kids, a well-honed art going back thousands of years. It's in their DNA. But parents, you cannot let them rule you. The parenting world is now upside down where children control their parents more than parents control their kids. This inverse is so unhealthy. Now, in this regard, it's helpful to understand different kinds of parenting categories so we know which ones to avoid and which ones to emulate so we can properly shape our children. And psychologists have divided parenting into four categories. The first one is authoritarian parents who expect children to follow a strict set of rules and expectations. They usually rely on punishment to demand obedience or teach a lesson. Children of these parents tend to be timid and have low self-esteem. A second parenting category, permissive parents who are too lenient. They try to avoid confrontation at all costs. Few rules are set, and if there are rules, they are rarely enforced. This lack of structure causes children to grow up with little self-discipline and little self-control. This category can also be called laissez-faire parenting. This does not produce gracious, humble children, but if we're honest, we've all thought this. It produces brats. They are neither fun to be around nor happy themselves. They are demanding, they're insolent, and their freedom is not a blessing to, to them or to anyone else. A third category is neglectful parents who don't care for their child's well-being, emotional or physical. They may spend long periods away from the home. They do not provide a safe space for the child where they can feel they have an adult that they can count on. This is the most destructive type of parenting. Finally, we have authoritative parents who strike a balance between high expectations and support, love and understanding. Routines and structures are maintained. Parents have limits and rules and enforce with consistent and loving consequences when rules are broken. Yet the children feel a freedom to be themselves within the boundaries that are given. Children from this type of parenting generally become emotionally healthy and stable adults. It's important to note the difference between authoritarian and authoritative. And God has given parents authority to shape, to mold, to nurture, to help bring out the potential of children. And this has to occur in a setting of safety and order and discipline. Authoritative parents master the principles of child rearing from Proverbs. Proverbs 22.15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Folly, as in tantrums. Why do we let their folly control us? But the scripture says here, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. In other words, reasoning won't do it, but the rod will help drive away that folly. Proverbs 23.13, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. They won't die. Kids will say, oh my gosh, it hurts so much, I'm going to die. 
Like they're getting a shot or going to the dentist. But it won't. It will help shape their soul. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. As in, it's your responsibility as parents to teach them obedience. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and a rebuke give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. We've all seen this. Little tyrants having their parents wrapped around their finger. That does not reflect God's order or best. Proverbs 29, 17. Correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. Correction does not drive your kids away. It actually makes your bond stronger. They learn to respect and love the boundaries that you have given him, which is the opposite of what culture says. So I think these scriptures speak strongly for themselves. I encourage you to comb through Proverbs as a parent. Now, I myself grew up in an authoritative, not authoritarian, but authoritative parenting environment, and I'm very, very grateful for it. I, look, I can look back and say that I definitely had a leg up because of how I was raised by my mom and dad. They raised me to be hardworking, to be respectful, be on time, have integrity. And as a result of that, it gave me favor in life, which led to good employee performance, solid paying jobs, and many promotions. There were many times when the bosses would come to me and say, I can't believe you did this, or I can't believe you did that. There was a period in my time when I was working in the marketplace where I had so many awards, people came up to me, and it was just so embarrassing. Well, it wasn't because I was some awesome, amazing scientist, but it was the disciplines that my parents had put in me at a young age to be hardworking, and then God blessed the fruits of my labor. My parents were firm and tough, but they were extremely loving and caring. They were authoritative. Now, I realize, however, that not everyone has the benefit of authoritative parenting. Many grew up experiencing categories one, two, or three, which is authoritarian, permissive, or neglectful parenting, which means that you need time to heal. You need a season to allow the gospel to reshape you, and you need models to see on how to do it correctly. There was a young man that I was mentoring that came from a dysfunctional home. And later after he got married, he started to have kids. And as he began having kids, he called me up and he says, I want to take you out for lunch. And the whole purpose of that lunch was to say to me, I didn't know what a healthy family looked like until I was around you. It's because of your picture I knew how to become a good dad. Now, of course, his words were so encouraging but it points to our need to have good models. So if you don't know what good parenting looks like, find a good family to copy. So let me extend a little bit more just what this gospel-centered authoritative parenting looks like. I'm going to call out a few more points from Pastor John Piper and then we'll end. The first is that requiring obedience should be practiced at home on inconsequential things, like dry runs, 
so that it is possible in public on consequential things. One explanation why children are out of control in public is that they have not been taught to obey at home. One reason for this is that many things at home don't seem worth the battle. But this simply trains children to live by two sets of rules. I can just be wild and do whatever I want at home, and all of a sudden they're expected to be behaving well in public. They don't know how to juggle those two sets of rules. They don't know how to turn it on and off. In fact, they can't. They only act one way, the way in which they're trained at home. So then it proves embarrassing to parents. Consistency is requiring obedience at home, which in turn will help your children to be enjoyable in public. Number two, it takes effort to require obedience, and it's worth it. If you tell a child to stay in bed and he gets up anyway, and you tell him after two, three, five, ten times, because you just think, if I just say it to them, I just am hoping that they'll catch it. They won't catch it. Rather, you have to get up and you have to deal with the situation. And parenting is tiring. We understand. Mimi and I have spent half of our adult lives raising children. Requiring obedience takes energy, both physically and emotionally. It's easier simply to let the children have their way. But the result of this parenting habit is that we have non-compliant children when it matters. They've learned how to work the angles. Mommy is powerless and daddy's a patsy. They can read when you're about to explode. So they defy your words just short of that. This bears sour fruit for everyone. But the work it takes to be immediately consistent with every disobedience will bear sweet fruit for parents, children, and others. Parents who do not teach their children to obey prepare them for a life out of step with God's Word. Number three, you can break the multi-generational dysfunction. One parent, one reason parents don't require discipline is they've never seen it done. They come from homes that have two modes, passivity and anger. They know they don't want to parent in anger, so the only alternative they know is passivity. Well, there's good news. This can change. Parents can learn from the Bible, from wise people, what is possible, what is commanded, what is wise, and how to do it in a spirit that is patient, firm, loving, and grounded in the gospel. You break this multi-generational dysfunction and you set up generations after you to walk in the blessing of God. Last point, requiring obedience is not the same as requiring perfection. This is such an important point. Children should learn from our parenting that God is patient and slow to anger. This is what God showed Moses on the mount in Exodus 34 slow to anger, and patient. But Romans 11.22 also teaches us that God is tough. It says, behold the kindness and severity of God. And so as parents, we need to show our children both justice and mercy. Not every disobedience is punished. Some are noted, some are reproved, some are passed over. There's not a precise manual for this mixture but in each situation, the goal, whether it's through discipline and patience, it's to thoroughly ingrain 
obedience in our children's character. Parents, you can do this. It's a rigorous season, no doubt, but there's divine grace for it, and you'll be richly rewarded. You know, I started off by saying that we can connect many of the ills in society to this passage, as in what happens in childhood makes its way into adulthood. But we can also say when we train our children well in obedience, we can also connect the health of a society to this passage. And that's our call as followers of Jesus. Of all the cultures that are out there, we as representatives of kingdom culture should excel in obedience from kids all the way to parents. Lord, we thank you for this reminder that's given to us by the Apostle Paul. That as we think about how we are blessed beyond measure, that as you have come to fill us with every spiritual blessing under the heavenly places, that it begins to express itself in how we live, how we think, how we act, and yes, how we parent and how we raise our children. And we have seen, Lord, in your scripture, how this goes all the way back to your commandments. And how the fifth commandment, that you gave us this commandment about parenting and about the high premium that you place on obedience. And there is such an attack against this value because of worldly thinking and worldly values, not understanding the power and the blessing behind it. So I pray for a fresh grace to be upon each of our families. I pray for a fresh grace to be upon parents that are listening this morning as they raise their children, that they would not just throw in the towel or raise the white flag, but they would say, God, you have made us able. You have authorized us to shape these little lives to be a glory to you. So let your encouragement come, Lord, for any kind of anger or disorder or confusion that's in, that are in households. Lord, let it be under our feet. And we speak, God, a peace and a joy that comes from your spirit as we enable our children to run after you. We thank you now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you this week. Continue to stay safe, and we will see you online next Sunday.